weeping over the lost. I have heard and read that on-fire evangelists weep for the lost. I read about how David Wilkerson walked the streets of New York City and wept for the masses of people there. I must confess that honestly I have not had that kind of a burden for the lost. But recently, something happened in my life to change all of that. I have a loved one in my life who has decided to cut me out of their life. No phone calls, no texts, no pictures. I'm on their no-contact list. This is someone very close, someone I love very much. This was not a suddenly move. Things have progressively gotten worse over the years. I keep trying to show and demonstrate unconditional love to this person, but it just seems to make things worse. And this person just gets meaner, nastier, and more bitter. Love isn't supposed to hurt, is it? I know that this person is really hurting and that all that pain is being layered over with anger and rage and bitterness. And the bitterness barbs seem to fly my way every time we have contact. So, with a broken, broken heart, I took the matter to the Lord in prayer, crying out to Him in real desperation. I was taken into an open vision, and all of a sudden, it was like I was in the scene of a movie, and I was witnessing and experiencing the Korah Rebellion. Let's review how this went down in Numbers chapter 16, starting in verse 19. It is written, And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. Then they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens up its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up 
with their households, and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. So they all, those with them, went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them, and they perished from among the assembly. So there I was, in the vision, and I was a witness to what happened. I was standing near the tents of Levi, along with others of Israel standing there with me. Across the way I saw the tents of Korah and Dathan and Abiram, with a crowd milling about those tents, and there, standing over there with them, was my precious loved one standing there with them. There was such a look of anger and hatred and rebellion on his face. But this was someone I loved, someone close to me. I remember gesturing to him, Come over here, quickly, come over here, sudden destruction is coming. But he continued to stand defiantly with anger written all over his face and deep-seated rebellion in his heart. And then a giant crack opened up in the earth and all of these rebellers, including my loved one, fell down into the earth. On that day, that terrible day of sudden and swift judgment, families were torn asunder. Young children may have stood by the tents of the Levites with their grandparents, while their parents stood with Korah. Two brothers may have stood by the tents of the Levites, while the third brother stood with Korah and disappeared into the earth. As I watched my loved one disappear, down into the earth. My heart was torn in grief, and I began to weep and wail. Somehow I wanted to turn the hour hand of the clock back to see if there could be a different outcome. Yet I knew that God's judgment and justice were right and true, and that he could not permit the rebellion to go any further. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, Yeshua said these words, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. The sword of division is coming swiftly. There is a swift, sudden, sure, and true judgment of the Lord that is coming soon upon this earth. He will be separating, sorting, and sifting the wheat from the tares and the sheep from the goats. He is coming back, not as a meek lamb going to the slaughter, but as a mighty warrior to execute justice upon the wicked on the earth. This judgment coming is similar to the one that we saw that happened at the Korah Rebellion. We read of it in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30, where it is written, Another parable Yeshua put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. 
But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barns. The angels will be sent on assignment to cut down the wheat and tares that were growing side by side with a sickle. The wheat will be bundled up and go to the threshing floor of the barn. The tares will go to the burn pile. Some of the tares in that burn pile could be your grandson, your brother, your mother, your daughter, your husband. Can we not pray? Can we not begin to weep for these lost ones before the judgment and ask the Father to bring them to salvation while there is yet time? We read more about this time of judgment in Revelation chapter 19 verses 11 to 16 where it is written, Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Time is running out. The veil between heaven and earth is thinning. Heaven is very near. But so is hell. And once a person ends up there, there is no turning back. It has been the kindness of the Lord that he has delayed his return. It is the patience and the long-suffering of the Messiah that there is still time for the wicked the rebellers, the demon-infested, to repent and turn to Jesus, to Yeshua, and encounter him at the cross. In his graciousness, he restrains, he waits, he holds back in his mercy. But there is a day of reckoning, a day of judgment coming, and it is sooner than most of us realize. I could not weep for the multitudes of the lost in my prayer closet. I am not there yet. But I can weep for one, for that one who is close to me whom I love dearly. May we all weep in our prayer closets 
for those in our lives who are away from God, lost in the darkness of night, caught in the web of the world, enslaved to sin, and the demons who are conducting the cacophony and chaotic orchestra of their lives. May we weep and pray that through the kindness of God, the graciousness and the mercy of the Father, that these, our loved ones, would be snatched out of the hand of the enemy and be rescued, redeemed, that they would come into the kingdom of God through faith in Messiah Yeshua. The sun is beginning to set. Dusk is upon us. The darkness of night is very near. The scriptures say that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. How close are we to closing out the final days of the six thousand years, the sixth day? How close are we to stepping over the line into day one of the seventh day? the final 7,000 years, which begins the day of the Lord. If we could really see how close we are to that time, to that time of judgment, the time of God's reckoning with evil upon this earth, we would cry out, Mercy! Mercy! Mercy for this one, and for that one, and for that one. May an urgency come upon us to pray for the lost. May we begin by just praying for one. May we cry out for those we know in our families, at work, at school, and in our circle of life. May we pray that the spirit of repentance would come upon them and they would encounter the amazing love of Yeshua, who laid down his life so willingly, who hung on the tree and bled and died for each one of us. Such amazing love. After all, when we take time in our prayer closets to pray for the lost, we are connecting with the Father's heart. When we weep, it is His tears sliding down our cheeks. It is His heart that is broken for these lost ones whom He loves so much. It brings Him no pleasure to come and bring judgment upon the earth. May we weep now and stand in the gap for the salvation of the lost ones in our lives before the judgment, while there is still time. I close with the scripture from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 5. It is written, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, Darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. May the Lamb that was slain receive the due reward of his suffering. 
May the weeping in the prayer closet for the lost ones begin.